thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hey folks, this is Adrian, your host of the CX Chronicles podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to amazing customer-focused business leaders each and every week. I wanted to take a minute to talk about a couple brand new product and service offerings at CXC. Number one, customer scorecards. Have you had a minute to take a look at our CX scorecards and understand how you're doing across team, tools, process, and feedback? Number two, customer feedback reporting. A number of different companies are looking for ways to get better customer feedback reporting. Reach out to CXE today if you need help setting up your MPS, CSAT, product SAT, or customer effort scoring. Number three, customer experience coaching. Take the time to become a customer-focused business leader. We've done some amazing work with a number of awesome CXers out there. Reach out to us today at CXE to learn how you can get your customer-focused business leader playbook for success. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. All right, guys, uh, super excited for today's show. We have Mark McClure from uh, Babel Street on the show. Mark, welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast, sir. Uh, Thanks for having me, Adrian. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So, um, guys, Mark and I had an awesome chat uh, the other day when we were getting ready for the show. And uh, Mark's got an awesome story, awesome journey. He's got a ton of really, really relevant CX experience, um, and 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 he's going to have a, a ton of uh, valuable insights for us to think about today. And I'm really excited to, to dive right into it with you, Mark. Excellent. So why don't we take a, a couple minutes, sir? Uh, let me give you the microphone. Why don't you uh, take a couple minutes telling the CX Nation your elevator pitch and give us uh, give us a sense for how you got into your customer experience leadership journey. Great. Well, it's been, a, been quite the uh, journey. I mean, I started uh, when I came out of college. I came out of West Virginia with my master's in public administration uh, degree, and it didn't take me long to figure out that I didn't want to work in the in the association kind of managed hospital space. It just wasn't a good fit, but I was always technical, you know, moving down the road a little piece in November of um, 07, I had the opportunity to join Clarebridge. And I think a lot of folks know who Clarebridge, you know, is and really where they came from. And they were really a pioneer in the customer experience space. And I, you know, to, to some degree, I think they helped coin the phrase. Yeah, you know, yeah. customer experience. So yep. it was uh, an interesting join. So when I joined there, I, I went in as the um, as the individual who was going to be building up their support and training organization. Okay. Yep. So it was very much in, in startup mode when you when you come into those types of startup situations, which I'm sure many are familiar with. You know, it's it's your your teams are built by hook or crook, right? You might get yep. a you know sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I was able to build a really strong team in a very short period of time. And part of that was really, you know, part of the job was to build not just the training for our customers on the, uh, on the ClearBridge solution, but it was also to build the, uh, the onboarding for our employees. Okay. So there was a, a number of different dynamics that uh, were, were at play there. 
But I did that role for about three and a half years and then took over the uh, sales engineering team uh, and ran that for four years. Uh, then uh, along the way, I, I met Jeff Chapman, who is the, the CEO of uh, Babel Street. And we, you know, again, we had kind of loose connections. We were familiar with each other. Uh, we ran in kind of different groups, but uh, we started talking. Uh, that was about February of 15. And come December of 15, we talked enough to where we decided it made sense for me to uh, come on board. And I joined the company in uh, January of 16. So I came into Babel Street as uh, the VP of customer experience. And that was to cover down on both the support side of what we call help desk and our training side, which we call Babel U. Uh, and again, right back kind of where I started with Clarebridge, it was, you know, very much a startup situation and it was uh, all hands on deck and, you know, and everybody was doing everything, you know, so it took a, you know, a little bit of a run to ultimately even start to think about processes as opposed to, you know, doing the dance and putting out fires and talking to customers and doing training and actually doing selling at that time. So, you know, really did a, a number of different things once I came in the door at Babel Street before I actually was able to, to settle in and do really what I was hired to do. I mean, so, some of those some of those early times, Mark, right, when you're when, exactly like you said, when you're just like building in the moment, dealing with the fires, dealing with curveball after curveball after curveball. Um, it's, it can be tough to get into the, into thinking about how you want to even structure, organize, build the process because you're just so busy just dealing with everything that's flying at you and the team's face each day. So I, I can absolutely appreciate that whole part of the, uh, of the experience for sure. Well, so true because again, you, you know what you want to do, but you got, you know, you got to get through all the stuff you have to do before you can ever get to that stuff. So that's right. Yep. You know, it's a little bit of a juggling act, just keeping the balls in the air. Big time. It is, a, and it's it's an extreme juggling act. Actually, I'd say that most CXers are some of the best jugglers that you will find in most businesses. They're they're, they're almost built and wired to have to manage multiple issues at once and do it with a smile and still get ten other things done at the exact same time. So we are we're pros at that, man. <laughs> oh yeah, very much so. It's a little bit of a jack of all trades type yeah. of situation. Yep. That's awesome. So, so Mark, why don't you um, take a little bit more time to talk about Babel Street um, before we jump into the four CX pillars. I'd love for you to set the stage around um, what Babel Street does, who you are, talk a little bit about sort of um, what mission you guys are on in terms of taking care of your customers and creating all these incredible insights. Well, you know what, coming from Clearbridge into Battle Street was just really kind of very easy because what we did at uh, Clearbridge and what we ultimately do at Battle Street is very similar. The biggest difference is kind of really who's using the software, right? At, at Battle Street, we were providing, I'm sorry, at Clearbridge, we were providing a solution that, you know, um, enterprise level organizations was using to better understand what their customers were saying. Sure. Right across yep. all different types of sources. Well, at Battle Street, something we're doing something very similar, and our customers use the platform to do something in that neck of the woods, but the data sources are very different, right? It's not listening to their customers as much as it's listening to available open source data. And open source data can best be defined as anything that's publicly available. Okay. Right? So we have just a, a plethora of data source providers that we partner with that provide us data. And we ultimately make those links within Babel Street that makes it much easier 
for our customers to acquire that data. You know, in old days, you'd have to go out and find that data. You would have to transform it. You'd have to upload it into a database, and then you'd have to start figuring out how you're going to interface with it. Yep. Well, we take all those steps out of it, and we kind of, if you will, fast track our customers' ability to get to all of this open source. And to think open source, think, think social media to a certain yep. degree. Okay. Think uh, the internet at large. Think the dark web. Uh, there's a, a number of different places that you know data can come from. And again, this is all open source, open, uh, open, publicly available data um, that uh, that we're able to provide. But the platform is used by our customers to really kind of understand and get situational awareness of really what's going out and going on, going on out there in the world at large, uh, depending on what their use case is. Uh, again, there's a, there is a data source for just about everything and every use case you can possibly think of. But again, unlike Clarebridge, Babel Street's users are using it to really understand that situational awareness uh, to match whatever their use case is out there in the world, wherever they are in the world. That, so, and Mark, just, just, just to give the listener a basic sense, who is... Um... Who is the ideal customer profile today for Babel Street? What type of companies, what type of accounts, what type of customers are you guys serving today? Um, well, you know what? Our, our customers cross, you know, the plethora of all of all uh, genres of customers. It's commercial, it's, you know, fed civ, uh, it's government. And really, it all the use cases that, you know, that they work on are, again, broad, but all of them it's kind of center around protection, uh, security. Uh, understanding situational awareness around, say, their companies or their infrastructure, uh, monitoring, monitoring, if you will, their uh, executives to make sure their executives stay safe. So, on the commercial side, we deal with a you know a lot of a lot of larger, well-known customers out there in the world who have very, uh, I guess, target-rich environment as it relates to their as it relates to their uh, executive team. And they want to keep them safe because they travel around to multiple places, multiple offices, going to multiple meetings, multiple countries, and they can monitor in advance just for situational awareness. It's not like this open source data is going to say, you know, is going to keep them safe, you know, out of the box. But the information that they can garner from the information they're collecting from this open source data can help them better prepare to know about what's going on on the ground in those areas where their executives are going to be visiting. Right, so that that's a pretty common use case um, for our for our users that use the uh, use the platform. That's great, um, Mark. I'd love to jump right into the first CX pillar of team. Can you spend a couple minutes just talking about the team that you've been able to build at Babel Street? Talk a little bit about some of the people on it, or, or or the way that you guys have sort of structured yourself to be able to grow and to scale into the future. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, like I said before, you know, you come into, you know, a startup operation and a lot of times you don't have a whole lot of choice in the, uh, in the folks that you have that ultimately come on because you're getting yourself established. And then once you get established, you can ultimately hire. And like I said, sometimes it's better to be, you know, uh, lucky uh, than, you know, anything else. And I think I've been very lucky in the team that I've been able to build. I mean, the team is broken up into two pieces. There's nine employees uh, on the team in total. Uh, one side of the shop is what we call Babel University, our training side. And it's okay. run by, by uh, um, Brittany Massey, who Brittany and I worked together and ultimately was a part of the team that hired her at Clarebridge. 
And then after I was at Babel Street for a little over a year, I reached out to her to see if she was interested in coming in and running the training team for her, for us. And you know what? It just worked out really well. And, she, and she's been absolutely fantastic. So that was really hire number one. Um, and so she has one individual on her team. Uh, my team in general is very remote. There's okay. only three of us that work here in the, in the Virginia area uh, out of the same office. But the rest of the team is remote from Charlotte to Colorado to Portland to Orlando to London. I mean, so we're really kind of spread all over the place, which from a coverage perspective for our help desk helps a lot because oh, we are not a, we're not a 24-7 uh, support organization, but we act like it. And our performance reflects the fact you know, that we could be. Now, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know based on how we're able to respond. But again, backing up a step, you know, so we got the two teams. We got the Babel Youth side, which is run by, by Brittany. And then we've got the help desk team. So historically, the help desk has been organized to kind of work on a pool basis, right? We Tickets come in, uh, the pool start, or the queue, so to speak, would fill up. And whoever kind of gets there first gets the ticket and works with it. You know, the concept was that I really wanted to make sure that everybody was familiar with all of our customers. I didn't want to kind of isolate anybody. I wanted to create a bunch of subject matter experts, and I didn't want to create kind of silos, so to speak. Yep, so sense. The, uh, the help desk team, again, is, you know, has been built over the last literally, you know, five and a half years. And again, I've, I've been very fortunate to bring in, you know, and have some really, really sharp individuals, you know, come in and join the team. And it is one of those things where, again, I look at it and I'm like, wow, these guys really make me look good. Um, and they're all thinking from the, or singing from the same sheet of music. They all look at the problems the same way. Everybody is very, very familiar with our platform. Um, and, you know, because of kind of our distribution from a time zone perspective, like I said before, it lets us have a level of coverage that kind of resembles a 24-7 operation, but it's really not. I, I love that. I, I think one, one, one follow-on thought to that, Mark, that I just think is, is, is so ripe for today, specifically with what every business is going through with COVID, is traditionally people wanted to put as many people into a call center or a customer experience or a customer support or a customer service room as possible. And then they would run that team together collectively. Right. And that worked, that worked for many businesses for a long time. There's still some of the biggest companies on planet earth still very much run their support that way. But what you said, I thought was really interesting. There, there, there's a major benefit in this day and age, specifically post COVID of having teams strategically spread, right? So if if you're serving the US, great. Have a chunk of the team on the East Coast, a chunk of the team in the Midwest, a chunk of the team um, in the mountain area, and a chunk of the team in on the West Coast. It, it allows you to have flexibility. It allows you to also just, just from a diversity perspective, you're going to have a more diverse team, a more diverse approach to the way that you think about your customer base. But I love that, man. It sounds like you guys really had um, you know, a, 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 a nice, a nice strategic foot in that direction, if you will. But I, I think that that makes it super, super uh, helpful. I also just think, Mark, we're going to see more and more customer focused business leaders and more CX execs. They're going to be forced to think differently. They're going to have to build more remote teams. They're going to have to get more comfortable with remote management. 
And then they're going to have to get comfortable with having folks all across the country and all across the world serving their customer base. You know, and that's exactly right. And that's, that's something that we've been very much, you know, fortunate in terms of how we structured ourselves. But who knew that we were going to be in the situation that we have right now? Yeah. But yeah. now that we're here, and I kind of look back over my shoulder of where we've been over the last, say, six to 12 months, and literally the impact on what we're doing as a customer experience team, both on the training and the help desk side, has been minimally impacted. I mean, minimal. It's, it's, we were kind of doing business as usual. We didn't really have to pivot or adjust too much. Uh, now, look, the, one of the challenges in this model is when you want to bring somebody new into the, into the team, right? And when you bring somebody in new and they are remote, well, then you got a whole new set of challenges that you have to bring them up to speed, you know, which is hard. I mean, it just, it just is. And part of that, you know, is complicated because, you know, our platform is pretty daggone powerful. And, you know, I always like to say, you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility. You really have to understand what it does and how it does it so that when you are interfacing with the customer, you know what the heck's going on. So again, that has, you know, presented some challenges. It hasn't been too terribly bad. Um, but again, I look back at our structure, I look back at our processes, I look back at just kind of how we do what we do. And the fact that the team is really good and is great, you know, helping their neighbors, so to speak, it's, it's a great situation. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mark, I'd love to spend a couple minutes diving into the second CX pillar of tools. Can you spend a, a couple minutes kind of talking about um, how has how have you and your team at Babel Street sort of thought about building your CX toolkit? And can you just spend a couple of minutes talking about some of the tools that you use to drive your day to day interactions with your customers and with your with your team itself? Sure. So when you look at our tool set, man, it's really broad. You know, because you've got we've got the tools on the on the Babel U side that we use to build our training. Which, by the way, all of our training is virtual. And it has been since day one, and that was by design, which, again, looking at the world we live in today, it works out really, really well. Um, but we've got tools on the Babel U side. Uh, we've got tools that we've kind of brought in, brought in you know, to the team that kind of straddles the fence, both with uh, our training side and our help desk side. And then, of course, we've got you know, ticket tracking, and we've got the kind of the admin tools that we have in the platform. So from a training perspective, we use um, a CMS, uh, or not a CMS, an LMS by the name of uh, Litmos. Oh, okay, uh, yep, yep. And, you know, and that's been working out really well. Sure. We've, comp- we've complemented Litmos with a package called WalkMe. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Let me say, for, the, for your listeners who have never seen or, or dealt or played with WalkMe, it's worth a look. It is just, it has really kind of changed a lot of what we do. And even on the training side, all of our training is 100% integrated into the platform. Single sign on from day one, onboarding tasks really built on WalkMe that guide and walk the user, you know, hand in hand through the platform, showing them all the options, all the functionality, and then we dive into the training. But again, all of that's integrated. And a big part of that is WalkMe. Um, from a help desk perspective, you know, back in the beginning, I spent a lot of time, you know, researching a lot of different tools and I didn't realize there was so many tools out there. So until I started looking and so it was, you know, kind of a challenge to kind of figure out, you know, what we wanted to do. I mean, we were a startup, so we couldn't go the Salesforce 
uh, route, which would have been a great way to go, which I've had at many previous stops, and I know we're even considering it here probably sometime next year, but looked at Zendesk, looked, looked at a lot of them, and the platform that we settled on was one by the name of Freshdesk. You know, Freshdesk is, is a SaaS offering. Uh, it's, it's charged based on licenses, and it works really well. Now, not, there wasn't one platform we looked out there that did exactly what we wanted to do, but Freshdesk was really the closest, and really what it didn't do, we've kind of tricked it and forced it to do. Freshdesk you know, Fresh is an awesome tool, Mark. No, I think, you know, for some of our listeners out there, if you are still in the stage, right, where you are, maybe everything's in Google Docs and everything's on spreadsheets and everything's sort of in your head and everything's on your on your sticky notes on your desk, Take a look at Freshdesk. Freshdesk is, Freshdesk is an incredible way to get started with an awesome tool. Mark, exactly like you said, it does a little bit of everything. And you're right. If you got the if you got the right type of uh, tricks in the bag, you really can finagle it to do pretty much anything you like, whether it's ticketing, whether it's CRM, uh, customer storage information. There's a number of different things you could do. Mark, the other thing too is they've had a pretty impressive um, stretch out of products over the last couple of years. They've done a really, really good job of, 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 of unfolding all of these additional product and extension offerings. So it, yeah, total, totally agree with you. It's an awesome tool for, 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 a, for a growing scaling business that needs some flexibility and needs to, maybe, maybe they, maybe they need to be able to be in a position where Salesforce is phenomenal. All of us love Salesforce, right? But Salesforce also comes with its own set of needs, uh, challenges, and investments, right? Like it's, it's, you're not going to pull Salesforce. Most of the time, you're not going to pull Salesforce out of the box to work for you. Oftentimes, you're still going to need some help with your developers, your engineers, maybe your data scientists, your analysts. Um, Freshness is an awesome way of really kind of jumping into everything and getting a lot of those same things. Um, with a, with, with, with a, in my opinion, with a much um, easier pass, if you will. Yeah, I mean, even even with Freshdesk, I mean, I've got an individual, Kelly Mongan, who's who's uh, on my team based out of London. She's really our subject matter expert. You know, I don't know if she wanted it when she got it you know, some <laughs> four and a half years ago. Yeah, but she's she been became fantastic. the go-to. <laughs> yeah, she's she is the go-to. So again, I think that's critical too. And you know, whether it's our category model, whether it's our notifications, whether it's you know managing through the tickets and having the triggers set up to do things automatically. I mean, it's always great to have, you know, somebody that's responsible for that. And for me, that's, that's Kelly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, so you've already hit on this Mark, but let's, let's jump into the, into the third pillar of process. So you, you've already scratched the surface in a variety of ways when you're talking about team and when you're talking about tools, but can you spend a couple minutes thinking of, uh, or talking with us about sort of how you guys have thought about, building or optimizing your team's processes and workflows and can you give us give us a sense for sort of what you have tried to do as far as keeping track of just all the day-to-day changes i'm sure roles are constantly expanding customer needs are always changing uh even internal business needs are always changing can you spend a couple minutes talking about how you guys think about process at babble street Sure. And, and for me, look, I'm very process oriented and maybe, maybe a little too much, you know, might be no, the opinion. No of, such of thing, some. Mark. There's no <laughs> oh, such I thing. Know. That's what I keep saying, but it's a, it's a, it's an uphill fight to convince people of that. But very early on, you know, in my, in my time with, with Babel Street, you know, once we started, you know, supporting customers, dealing with issues, change management, uh, I started putting processes in place that honestly, the processes 
that I put in place then the base processes, or if you will, kind of the architecture of what we do, uh, is pretty much the same today. Uh, and, you know, again, you know, having a lot of process and a very young company with people flying around and doing, all, you know, shooting from the hip and doing a lot of different things doesn't necessarily mesh really well. Uh, but over time, again, what we found is that having these processes in place just helps everybody. Right. It helps the sales guys. It helps the solutions engineers. It helps my guys. It helps uh, the sales operations team because everybody knows that when they do this, it's ultimately going to trickle downhill and it's going to make it to us. And then we're going to do what we do. And we track everything. There is not a change that's made on the platform, whether it's a customer facing change or an internal change that is not tracked through a ticket. Okay, we're very similar to, you know, a lot of development organizations. You don't change anything unless you have a ticket to change it. You can track that change all the way through getting it into production. So it's very much the same thing um, with us. And because of these, you know, these processes, I mean, the processes are, I'm really happy with the processes. But look, the processes don't work unless you have the people who can execute against them. And again, this isn't just a matter of plugging in anybody. I mean, we've got a manual. We have a CX manual that has all of our processes, both from a help desk and from a training perspective, that literally you can read it like a dictionary. Love it. Okay. I want to do this. I go here and I can do this. Now, this really helps with the onboarding, right? It helps me because I'm not into the day-to-day the way I used to be, but I can always easily go back and see how did we do that and track backwards to, to see how, how something was completed. But again, it starts with the people and it's not just the people, it's having people that you can trust. And we all know that trust is something that's earned, right? It's not something that's just born and just comes out of somebody, but I have a team that I can trust explicitly to do exactly what they say they're going to do and do it the right way. And again, I think over time, I've given them the rope, so to speak, to kind of start managing their own business right? To kind of give them some ownership and responsibility. And I think everybody has responded very strongly and kind, right? It's a very much an open door policy, but those people are the ones that execute against the, against those processes. You can have the greatest processes in the world, but if you don't have people that you can trust to execute and do the right things without you sitting on their shoulders or looking over their shoulders, making sure they're doing it, it's not going to work very well. So, Again, the process in my mind is a combination of those two pieces, physical processes that you have in place, plus the people to execute against them. But we have, we have processes for literally everything. And some people might hate that, (laughs) which I know for a fact some do, Yeah, yeah. but at the the end of the day, it's, it's a pretty, we run a pretty tight ship, right? There's not much of anything that happens that we aren't involved with or know about. So I always kind of like to think of, of my team as really the hub of the wheel because we interact with every organization in the company more than any other team interacts with any other team in the company. We interact with everybody, you know, from legal to privacy to development to product management to sales. I mean, we've got it all. And I really think that, you know, because of that, it gives us, you know, not, not only a good insight, but a good understanding of what's going on, which is really makes the processes more relevant. You know, it's, it's one thing to kind of blindly do something because this is what we say to do. But if you know the better of why you're doing this and what that process is going, what the outcome of that process is going to be, well, I think it ties it together quite a bit more. 
Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, at Seeks Chronicles, we've done a ton of work for clients on what we call living playbooks, which is simply our, our version of processes and workflows. And Mark spot on, where one of the first things that I start off with, with any type of conversation about a living playbook is who is the person or whom are the people that are going to own this thing? Because it's literally only going to be as good as who you select to be able to essentially be the chiefs of that playbook. And 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 and, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the other piece that you just talked about, you know, for us CXers and for, for, for customer-focused business leaders, part of that documentation, part of that collection of information, uh, part of that just 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 cataloging, if you will, of all that information, that's one of our that's one of our biggest um, biggest things that we bring to any business's table, right? Those the, all those items that get chronicled into these CX playbooks end up becoming where salespeople start to set their expectations, where customers understand what they're going to get from your product or service, what's going to happen when things break down, right? All the things that, that, that some, I, I loved how you were poking at, some people don't think this is that important, but it's critical, especially when you start to grow, especially when you're scaling. And, 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 and absolutely, it's critical once you enter the world of having thousands of customers, because if you don't have these things clean, cleanly, clearly labeled and, and, and set out, that's where all the, um, that's, all, that's where the chaos comes from. So anything you can do to set yourself ahead and to be organized and to be prepared for what's going to come. All, you know, all the power to you. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's a great point. And when, I, when I'm building new processes, I mean, I look at it from two different perspectives. I'm looking at, again, first and foremost, who's going to be executing on it. And I'm very comfortable with that. But what are we trying to accomplish immediately? And ultimately, longer term, what are we trying to accomplish? And I try to find that balance because sometimes early on, and you know, when you're doing something new, you got to kind of ease into it a little bit, <clears throat> but you still have to have some structure around it to make sure that it's going to work and that when you have five or 10 customers, great, this works really well. But is it going to work when you have, you know, 10, 20,000 customers? Yep. You know, do, does it, you know, does it pass the sniff test in that perspective? Absolutely. Yep. Mark, I'd love to jump into the fourth and final CX pillar of feedback. Can you talk with us a little bit today about some of the things that you and the team are doing at Babel Street to collect and to, 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 to assess and to improve based off of some of the customer feedback that you guys are seeing? Right. So feedback is, you know, one of the areas that, you know, I'm personally always looking to improve on because I know it's something that we can do better. And of the four pillars, this is, this is the one where there's probably more focus going on right now. And literally in the last say four or five months um, than ever before. Yep. So there's a, there's a number of different avenues that we're, that we're looking at. But first and foremost, a lot of our, our feedback comes from the interactions with our customers. So Battle Street, from a customer interaction perspective, just out of the gate, is very high touch, right? Whether it's from the what we, we call our solution specialist, which is really kind of equates to like a sales engineer, okay. uh, account, account manager type. Uh, then, of course, we have help desk, and then we have the sales guys, and then you've got executive leadership, which is also involved in, in customer interactions. So a lot of our feedback is coming from our interactions with our customers, okay? We don't have really a well-defined channel today of kind of interacting kind of electronically, say surveys, for example. Okay. Uh, and that, you know, we, and, and again, not really social media. We, we don't necessarily play in that space from a, from a 
from a communication perspective, aside from marketing, of course. Uh, but in terms of our customers, the, the, the feedback is coming from our interactions and, and the unsolicited feedback that we get when, the, when a customer kicks something back over the fence to the sales guy or to me or to executive leadership saying, you know what, you all have been fantastic. You're really doing you know, a great job. And really what that does is open the door for the next conversation, right? Now, that doesn't scale very well but <laughs> sure, but sure. It, it really kind of checks the box for me because i'm big on okay if, if a customer reaches out to you and they give you a way to reach out back to them say a phone number call them Absolutely. okay create that that personal you know touch on that on that customer uh and it goes a long way i mean people just want to be treated like people right they don't want to be treated like a number or a mechanism and that's really one of my big strategies and big pieces that I instill in my team. But that feedback, you know, typically comes that way. So the things that we're working on are kind of multifaceted. So we're, we're working on a survey mechanism through WalkMe, which I mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, we're actually kind of in the middle of the, the design phase of that. I mean, the questions either. I mean, we're looking at basic you know, customer sat, NPS, I mean, just the basic, very simple things. We're not going to get intrusive. We're not going to have people, you know, talk about what they're doing, but it's like, hey, how do you like it, right? Would you recommend Babel Street? Uh, would you recommend, you know, Babel X, our platform to a colleague? So that's really the first phase. The second phase, which is something that some changes, kind of structural changes we made, or I made to the team here very recently, and, you know, I mentioned early on that we do more of a, um, of a pooled approach. The tickets come in, they go into a queue, the team jumps into the queue and just pulls the next ticket off the top. Well, one of the changes that, I, that I've implemented here recently is I've created what we, what we refer to as areas of responsibility. And those areas of responsibility match up to our sales teams. Right. And our sales teams, of course, are commercial and Fed Civ, international and the like. Uh, so I have an individual that is ultimately going to take responsibility for that revenue team and, and ultimately those customers that fall in that. So I'm kind of creating a silo. Right. Um, and we're high and tight. And we're not 24 seven, but we ultimately do. Uh, you know, have coverage. We have that gray space, right? If somebody's out on PTO or somebody's sick, you know, we can still fall back to that, um, to that uh, cued approach where your neighbor can help you out, you know, if you're not available. Because right now I have one of, one of my guys that's overseas that's been doing training for the last week. Um, and it, again, it left a little bit of a void, but it was an easy void to fill because of that was kind of how we were built on that cued approach. But again, by making this change and kind of assigning areas of responsibility, it further kind of raises the bar in terms of letting my team kind of manage their business, right? Integrate more with the sales teams, integrate more with the customers, reach out to the customers. And I like to call them kind of unsolicited touch points, right? Don't wait for the customer to reach out to us. You reach out to the customer, right? Whether it starts as an email and ends up with a phone call, but just reach out to them to let them know we're here. Now, they might not respond instantly, and honestly, they probably never respond instantly, but you know what we're finding, and we've been doing this literally for the last five years, is that it might not be that week, but you might get two, three, four, five months down the road, and all of a sudden, here comes that email kicking back over the fence 
somebody reaching out for help, but they're using that original email that we sent out uh, to respond. So again, we know our customers are seeing it. And again, people don't want to be bothered. They have, a, you know, they have their day jobs. They have everything else in the world that they have to, have to be doing. But we really try to make the experience as personal as we can, even with the number of users that we have. I really think that there is a time and a place to be able to get that feedback from the customer that's not electronic, that it's not through some social media post that they made, but it's a conversation. You know, it's an interaction with the customer. It's, it's human. It just gets it down to the bare bones, human factor of what we're doing. So Mark, that, that, that's awesome. And I, I think that that makes a ton of sense. And uh, you're right. It's it, customers needed to be treated as the people that they are. The minute they start feeling like they're a number or they're just another, um, just another card in the Rolodex or just another uh, line on the paper, that's when they start to lose interest in companies. And that's when it really doesn't feel um, like what they, what they signed up or what they bought into in the first place. So really, really well said. Mark, as we wrap up the show, I'd love to make sure that I give you an opportunity to call out any features or highlights or anything that you want to pitch about all the great things that you guys are working on at Babel Street. And then uh, most importantly, let the CX Nation know where they can get in touch with you and where they can get in touch with Babel Street. Sure. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I'd mentioned earlier a couple of the things that we've been working on over time. And one of them is really our integration of all of our training into the platform. So, from an onboarding perspective, when our users get their credentials, kind of get their welcome email with their credentials and they log on, they're immediately in the platform, right? They're not in a training environment. They're not doing something that isn't real. Uh, they're right there. And we find, you know, what we're finding is that our customers really like that. Uh, prior to that, in the, the way that we did our training, it was kind of a little disjointed. Not disjointed, but, you know, the training uh, is, is not short, Right, and we're a little different because we require all of our customers to complete training before they gain access to the platform. Kind of back to the, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility. Um, but the integration of what we're doing with with our training using uh, WalkMe, uh, of course, using our LMS Litmos, and really under the the tutelage of Brittany and Stephanie, um, the training team. It's just that I think we're on the cutting edge of of what we're doing from a training perspective. And to top it off, it's all virtual, right? Everything that our customers need to learn how to use our platform is right at their fingertips, no matter where they are, right? So I really like, and I'm really excited about that aspect of what we're doing. You know, I'd also mention kind of what we're doing from a, from a survey and feedback, really excited to get into that realm, uh, just to make sure, you know, that we're getting that little bit of information from our customers, whether it's a single click of saying, you know, extremely satisfied or even on the opposite side, yeah. extremely dissatisfied, yes. right? It's, you know, hey, I think it's, it's more fun to read the bad ones, Mark. <laughs> it really, you know what? And it really is. It's like, you know, if, if you're listening to feedback and this is, this goes back to gosh, the Clarebridge days is, you know, when you're looking at feedback, I mean, who do you want to listen to? Do you want to listen to the customer that is extremely satisfied that is complaining about something? Or do you just want to listen to the guy who is or the gal that's just just happy to be there, right? Yep. yep. I want to I want to hear the feedback from the person who loves us, but they're giving some feedback. That means they're giving some critical feedback. They're giving feedback that can make us better. You know, they're a user that's giving. You know, we just have to listen. You know, that's I think the cue here is we just got to listen. We've got to stop talking, and we've got to listen to our customers because again, they'll tell you what you need to know. 
you just need to shut up yep. <laughs> and listen yep. long enough to hear it. Yep, absolutely. Um, but again, you know, again, those things that we're doing to, to make the experience just a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable, you know, for our customers, you know, in the form of what we're doing for training, what we're doing in the form of our surveys and feedback. Uh, again, how we made the, the team changes with the areas of responsibility. You know, it, it's, I'm, I'm really excited about the direction that we're headed in. And I think we're really positioned well for the opportunities that are in front of us and the growth that uh, we're looking to take on, you know, over the next 6, 12, 18 months. That's awesome. Mark, where can people find, uh, where can people connect with you and, and where can people find more about Babel Street? Sure. So you can find out more about Babel Street by checking out babelstreet.com. Uh, you can find out more about me by checking, looking at my LinkedIn account. It's uh, under Mark McClure. And you can also reach me at my email at mmcclure at babelstreet.com. It's two M's, two C's, L-U-R-E at babelstreet.com. And again, love to hear from you if you have any questions or would like to just collaborate on something. Mark, it's been a, an absolute pleasure having you come in on the show, talking about all of the different experience that you've gained on your own customer experience, leadership journey. Uh, absolute pleasure. I look forward to keeping the conversation moving moving forward into the future. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the CX Chronicles podcast and sharing your story with us today.